0: Welcome to the Voo Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks icon, focusing on the third icon of the Holy Spirit, fire, with his message titled Stewarding Fire. In the Old Testament, the priests had to keep the altar burning, but they didn't have to start the fire. In the same way, we can't start the fire of God, but we can keep it burning. Discover more collection resources at vuchurch.com forward slash icon. Now let's lean into the message.
1: Let's look at this passage of Scripture. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. Verse 13. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. And I want to take this passage of scripture today and I want to preach from the subject, stewarding fire, stewarding fire. Would you pray with me, Lord? We thank you for your word. We thank you today, God, that it ministers right to us. I pray today, Lord, that you would open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes, that we might see Jesus in a new way. Help us to leave here different from how we walked in. We love you, Lord. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Everybody said, Come on, if you love Jesus, can you remind me that we are in the right place? Make a little bit of noise. Today we are in part three of a collection of talks entitled Icon. And we were talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, I think it's safe to say that the Holy Spirit is iconic. Uh, Icon is someone who is to be revered, someone who is to be respected. And the Holy Spirit is to be revered and respected. But not only that, the double entendre is that all throughout the scriptures, there's different symbols or different icons that that represent the Holy Spirit. I like that little phrase that uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. And I'm thankful that we've got lots of words about the Holy Spirit, but I'm really grateful that we also have symbols or images because of the Holy Spirit's dynamic and complex nature and character. Uh, we don't just leave it to words, but rather we have pictures and images that help us discover a little bit more about who he is. And the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at different icons. We looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit is the dove. Uh, last week, Uh, Dakota preached about the wind of the Holy Spirit, and today, my assignment is that the Holy Spirit, the icon for the Holy Spirit, is fire. Everyone say fire. Fire. If you're Pentecostal, say fuego. Fire. 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 When I was a kid, we were told, don't play with fire, and um, when we were younger, I don't know if you ever did this, but there'd be a candle burning, and my brothers and I, we would lick our fingers with saliva, and then we would try to... Pinch out the candle. Did you ever do this? I remember on one occasion I did this, but I don't think I used enough saliva and uh, I burned my fingers. I mean, I charred the skin. It was, it was weeks of just my two fingers from that little bit of a flame trying to put it out. And I was thinking this week about fire and how it works that fire, when you touch it, uh, it stays with you, it sears you, it, it burns you, it has effects for days and days to come. And so it is with the Spirit of God that when you encounter Him, there's effects on your life for days and weeks and years and years to come. I grew up in a Christian home. If you've been coming to our church, you know a little bit about my story. I'm a pastor's kid, but I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal home. And so the Holy Spirit Wasn't just a collection, the Holy Spirit was every Sunday of the year. We were talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, did you grow up with this little phrase, um, that guy's on fire for the Lord? You ever heard that phrase? Like, man, she's so on fire. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before, but I like that phrase. I think it's more than just Christianese, I don't think it's cliche. I think there's some real potency in it. Um, In my house, we grew up and uh, we'd go to birthday parties and my house was when we go to a birthday party we didn't ever get like a new gift but my mom she had this closet where she would store gifts that were given to us that she didn't think that we needed and uh, they just stayed in this closet so whenever we went to a birthday there was always uh, this is a good, good parenting technique there was always like a fresh fresh supply of gifts and uh, I remember on one occasion I went to this birthday party, and it was like I call like my secular friends it wasn 't really my secular friends, but it was a birthday party on a Sunday, which in my house, like you went to church on Sunday morning, you went to lunch afterwards, and then you 'd go home take a nap, and when I took a nap, mom and dad 's room was locked, which that 's another story, but um, <laughs> these are Christian parents, and uh, we 'd come back for Sunday night church. It was the same flow, and so on on this occasion, I was invited to a birthday on a Sunday. It doesn't sound like a big deal maybe to you, but in my house, all we do are those three things. And so I was like, mom, can I please go to this birthday? And she said, well, where is it? And I was like, well, it's at the roller skating rink, which once again, in the early nineties, the roller skating rink was like modern day Babylon. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's bad. Okay. It's pagan worship. And so I remember getting ready that day and I'd gone to church that Sunday morning and same thing. just, there's just too many details. Like we had to wear church clothes. There was no casual clothes. I wore slacks, penny loafers, tucked in shirt. And um, my my mom made me go to the birthday party in my church clothes. I was like, well, mom, I need, I need a gift. I need a, I need a birthday present. She goes, I got you. Don't worry. I got you. I was like, what, what, what is it? And she came out of the closet and she had two different presents And I said, well, I said, what is it? She goes, don't worry, it's it's a great gift. And so you can just see me headed to Babylon in um, my church clothes and two different gifts, which I don't know what they are. And it came time for for presents. And uh, my friend whose birthday it was, uh, he starts opening gifts. And one of the first gifts that he opens up was from another person and he opened it up and it was the brand new Nirvana CD. When I saw this, I was like, oh no, this is so bad. Because in my house, if you listen to Nirvana, that's a one-way ticket to hell, okay? So I'm just like, dude, this is not good. Like, what did my mom rap? I know it's not a Nirvana CD. Everyone at the party's like, oh, Nirvana. And I'm like, never heard of them. Um, And so they go. Richie, where's your gift? And so I bring over my two gifts. Gift number one is um, you can't make this kind of stuff up. These are just don't <laughs> worry, I've worked all this out in therapy. I'm good. Um, gift number one is is the greatest hits collection of Salty's singing songbook. You're like, what is that? Salty was a big blue hymnal. That sang all the old church hymns but remixed them for kids. So he's got Nirvana, and now I'm like, they're salty, bro. (laughs) Check out track number six, Cast All Your Cares Upon Him. That's fire. (laughs) The (laughs) The second gift is my dad, he was an evangelist. He would go from church to church, preach, and You know, my dad was just always ahead of his time because my dad had a merch table way back there in the 80s and 90s. (laughs) And the second gift was my dad's own merch. And the merch was a black sweatshirt, splatter paint across the front, and it said, I'm on fire. And I was like, dude, put that thing under a black light, bro, and that's a party right there in your chest. <laughs> I'm on fire. I remember just, there you go, man. He's like, cool, thanks. I was like, I, I never got invited to a birthday party again. <laughs> I'm on fire. That was, that was the sweatshirt, and that was what I remember as, as a young person. I'm on fire. That statement, I'm on fire. What does that mean, I'm on fire? That type of a phrase, he's on fire, she's on fire. Being on fire for the Lord is much deeper than just an emotion. Uh, The fire of God is so much more than just strictly passion. In fact, the fire of God is even more than revival breaking out in church. But rather the fire of God in its actual definition is the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit, and we keep saying this in this collection, it's really important that you begin to get this into your heart, that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but rather the Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person, the third person of the Trinity that Jesus said that I will send one after me. And when he comes upon you, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has thoughts The Holy Spirit, according to scripture, has emotions. You know, it's possible that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in nature, one of the words that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit is the word counselor. The Greek word for counselor is the word parakletos. Ever heard the phrase a paralegal? It's one who comes alongside you. It's the advocate, it's the ally, it's the friend The Holy Spirit is to walk with you through every season of life. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus, he sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us every single day. But in Romans, we learn that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us here on earth. So I got Jesus in heaven and I got the Holy Spirit here on earth. And whenever you begin to study the Holy Spirit What you quickly discover about the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit of God, His nature is fiery. The Holy Spirit, His nature, this icon of fire, it doesn't just show up like one time, but really from the Old Testament to the New Testament, when the words run out, the icon shows up that the Holy Spirit is fire. All the way back from the beginning, we can begin to see this about the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire, a consuming fire. We took some time in the fall to study the seven churches of Revelation. Remember, When John on the island of Patmos, when he sees Jesus, remember he looks into the eyes of Jesus. What does he say? Revelation chapter one, verse 14. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Have you heard that expression before that the eyes are the window to your soul? That when you look into the eyes of God, his soul is an all-consuming fire. As you study the book of Daniel, you'll see that the eyes of the Lord are lampstands of fire. As you make your way to the New Testament, as John the Baptist is out in the wilderness and he's baptizing men and women in water, it's a baptism of repentance, of turning your direction. But remember, John, he was the one who was preparing the way for Jesus to come. He was the great forerunner. And John says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All throughout the Bible, you will see the nature of the Holy Spirit is one of fire. In the Old Testament, we see God as a consuming fire quite literally in many places. We see that when the Israelites are being led in the wilderness, By day, they are guided by a a, a cloud. But at night, that cloud turns into a pillar of fire. Pillar of fire. Numbers chapter nine, verse 15, describes how there was no temple in the wilderness. So God created a mobile temple. I've always found this interesting because we are a mobile church. Um, Eight years ago, as Don Shrew was mentioning, we, we launched this church and we've been bumping into venues and bumping out, loading in and loading out, and it's a mobile church. I think that's quite biblical because we see the first church in the Bible was a mobile church. It wasn't called the temple, it was called the tabernacle. And watch this, the tabernacle was set up from place to place, but notice that when the tabernacle was set up, Numbers chapter nine, verse 15, on the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. So, wherever the tabernacle was, a pillar of fire was above it, and the fire was an indication of the presence of God. Fire hovered over the tabernacle as a sign of God's presence. And what's fascinating is that when you skip into the New Testament, you learn that because of Jesus' sacrifice, the new temple is not made up of brick and mortar, but of flesh and blood. Our very bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see in the Old Testament fire hovered, but in the New Testament fire dwells from within. The Holy Spirit lives within me, shines through me. I'm filled with the Spirit resulting in what? The fruit of the Spirit. Last Sunday we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. I think it's one of the greatest Sundays in the calendar of the church because it's genuinely our birthday. I know it's not Vu's birthday. No, it's the church's birthday. And Dakota preached just, I thought, a brilliant message on the wind of the Holy Spirit. Because you'll remember the wind of the Holy Spirit, that word, the Hebrew word is the word ruach. The Greek word is the word pneuma. What's fascinating about the word pneuma is that other words are associated with wind like the word breath. So watch this. Adam in the Garden of Eden is formed from dirt. And it's not until the Ruach, Pneuma, the breath of God breathes into the body of Adam that life emerges. What happens in Acts chapter two? 120 people are gathered. It's a body, but it's lifeless. It's not until the wind, the Ruach, or the breath of God comes in and breathes into those 120 people. But when God breathes into them, the church is born. The church becomes alive. What's powerful is that on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost connects Christ to the church. The Holy Spirit shows up and takes all these People and turns them into the body of Jesus Christ, that we are alive, that we have the breath of God on the inside of us. Somebody give God some praise today if you know he's made you alive. But watch this, because this imagery is very, very important. This is Acts chapter two. This is last Sunday. Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, enabled them. Maybe you've read that passage of scripture before, and you thought that's kind of a peculiar picture. What's going on here? They gathered, and then all of a sudden wind comes through, and then there's these tongues of fire on top of 120 people, and now they begin to speak in other tongues. That sounds a little crazy. That sounds a little wild. Well, it might sound crazy if you have no context, but once you begin to understand that the tabernacle had a pillar of fire over it. And now 120 individuals become little temples or little tabernacles. Tongues look like pillars, just smaller. What God is saying is on this day, my spirit is breaking out. It's not confined to a place, but rather now today, the spirit of God lives in and through you. Whoo! What imagery, what pictures? A picture is worth a thousand words. And the nature of the Holy Spirit is one of fire. Fire is quite useful. It's useful for light. It's an all-consuming, it takes over, it redefines. Fire purifies. Fire in the right context can bring warmth and comfort. This is how I want you to think about the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't make it so abstract. Don't make it so weird. Don't make it so mystical. Yes, there's mystery to him, but think about it quite practically. In the same way that fire is useful, so is the Holy Spirit in your life. What does the Holy Spirit do? He he guides your life. He consumes your life. He's not a part of my life. He, He is my life. He purifies me. You ever done something after you met Jesus and right away you knew it was sinful or you knew it was wrong and by right away you get this conviction hitting your life? It's not condemnation, it's conviction. Condemnation is before you know Jesus, after you know Jesus, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit who's pointing you to the mercy of the cross, who's saying step into the light so that you might experience freedom. wants to purify you. By the way, purification will go for the rest of your life. There's some things in 2023 that have now become sin in my life that were not sin in 2022. You say, Rich, that's confusing. What do you mean? It's because I'm becoming like Jesus. And it's not just the sin of commission, the law, the 10 commandments, but rather it becomes the sin of omission, Things that I knew that I was supposed to do that I didn't do. It's the Holy Spirit leading me. It's the Holy Spirit guiding me. In the same way that fire can bring warmth and comfort, the Holy Spirit will comfort you, will warm you. Have you ever found yourself grieving? Have you ever found yourself hurting? Have you ever found yourself suffering? Did you find any bit of comfort in some of those dark moments that wasn't energy, that wasn't a vibe? That wasn't a feeling. That wasn't goosebumps. That was the power of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God. Leviticus chapter six is somewhat of a peculiar passage to preach on this Sunday morning, but I think that there is a deep truth that I want you to see today. Leviticus six is as God is instructing the people of Israel as he's talking about the tabernacle and as he's giving them the different steps and process that they're supposed to take in order to absolve themselves or atone themselves from sin. He, He talks about five different types of offerings that they're to make. You can go through those in Leviticus chapter six and there's the burnt offerings and there's the peace offerings and the grain offerings and the sin offering and the guilt offering and every one of these offerings and sacrifices, there's different steps and they have different reasons as to why you're to do that. Maybe you've never learned about those before. That's okay. The good news is is that Jesus fulfilled all of them. (laughs) And sometimes you'll never appreciate the weight of what Jesus did until you begin to understand the weight of what Leviticus is asking out of you that God is quite detailed and quite ordered, but I'm thankful for Jesus who came in, stepped in and did what I was unwilling to do. Come on, can we take five seconds right now and just thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus? I'm glad I don't have to sacrifice a bull or a goat or a dove. I'm glad I don't have to go through all these steps. I'm glad that Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. But we see the, the, the burnt offering in Leviticus chapter six, and the burnt offering was about your sin being atoned for. And there was one thing that stuck out about the burnt offering, and it was this command that was given to the priests that the fire was not to ever go out, that you had to continue to throw wood on the fire and keep the fire burning all day and all night. It's funny because as I think about this phrase, fire and he's on fire and she's on fire and I'm on fire. It really has followed me most of my life. Uh, I went to Bible college at a school called Lee University and their mascot is the flames. And when you walk through the campus of Lee University, which is a beautiful campus, they have this fountain there. And uh, on the fountain, there is this eternal flame, this flame that never goes out. And it's a statement to the student body that this is what our life is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like a continuous eternal flame, a flame that never ever goes out. Essentially what I'm saying is that we have to be stewards of the fire. We have to throw wood on the fire daily. Fire is a chemical combustion Remember, if you can go back to some of your science classes, but remember the fire triangle? It was heat, oxygen, and fuel. I need heat, I need oxygen, and I, f- I need fuel, I need gas, or I, I, need, I need some wood. The priest must throw wood on it to keep it burning. That was the command for the burnt offering. Keep it burning. Keep throwing wood on that fire. You gotta keep that thing burning. Their job was to steward the fire. Yet I want to just fast forward just three chapters to Leviticus chapter nine. I want you to see what took place here because this is important. Leviticus chapter nine, verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burn offering and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Watch this. Fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. I don't know if you saw this. The priests had to keep the fire burning But the priest didn't have to start the fire. See, we can't start the fire of God, but we can keep it burning. God says to you and God says to me and God says to our church, I'll start it, but you have to steward it. The command of the priest was keep throwing wood on it, but just so you know, I'm going to be the one who's going to start the fire. I'm going to ignite that altar. I'm going to set that thing ablaze. But once I set it ablaze, you then have to steward it. I'll get it going. I'll kick it off. I'll begin it. But then you must manage it. You must keep up with it. You must steward it. You must maintain it. You must supervise it. We are keepers of the flame. That's all we are. We're we're, we're keepers of the flame. I, I go back to my childhood and I go back to the generations that went before me. And in many ways, I just see myself in this big, long relay race that the fire of God is being passed from one generation to the next And I don't start that thing. I don't ignite that thing. I've got no power to start a fire in your life today. All we get to do is be the people of God that would say, Lord, if you start it, I will steward it. I'm gonna throw wood on that fire. So much of our faith journey is just stoking the flames of the Holy Spirit, throwing wood on it. Rich, how do I throw wood on it? throw wood on it by going to VU Crew. You throw wood on it by serving in church. You throw wood on it by not just giving lip service to God but saying, Lord, I'm going to give you my heart and according to Jesus, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to step into tithing. I'm going to step into giving. You throw wood on it by saying, you know what, I'm going to be at VuCon this year and be in this gathering with other believers. I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to do something uncomfortable. I'm not just going to try to go through the status quo. I'm going to try to stoke the flame." Steward means to manage another property or possession. How do you steward the fire of God? It's really simple. How do you steward the fire of God? By surrendering to the Spirit. That's what it is. It's a surrender. Surrendering to the Spirit. I want to surrender to the Spirit. What does surrendering look like, Rich? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, surrendering, the first word would be the word obedience. Surrendering is obeying. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. The Holy Spirit will lead you. And the question is, do you obey when he leads you? Surrendering looks like disciplining. I'm disciplining. I love our church and, This is not a house of condemnation, but it is one that we wanna challenge people. You know, going to church, you don't go to church just because you feel like it. You go to church because you're surrendering to the Spirit and you're disciplining your flesh. I'm gonna gather with the other believers. There's something that takes place that when we gather, it's just a discipline. Maybe that's you disciplining your devotion time, disciplining your prayer time. I think surrendering is just enjoying the spirit of God. Do you just enjoy his presence? It's something I'm working on right now in my life. Just spending time with him and enjoying him. You know, the Holy Spirit is a far greater minister than I could ever imagine to be. In fact, when you come to church and you sense that you're being ministered to, it's not the preacher, it's the spirit of God. Learn to allow him to minister to you, spend time with you him. Enjoy his presence. Because this is the truth. When it comes to the spirit of God, you're either surrendering or you're suppressing. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 19, the apostle Paul says it this way. Do not quench the spirit. What's interesting is that when you study the word quench in the Greek, it's the word extinguish. Do not Extinguish the fire of God. Do not put out the flames of God. Do not suppress the spirit. I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes it seems like fire has a negative connotation. But in reality, fire is not negative, but fire is dangerous. Remember the first time you burned your hand on the stove? you were quite careful the next time you got around that stove, you recognized its boundaries. And so it is with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, there's nothing negative about the Spirit, but you better understand, you don't play with fire. What happens there in Leviticus chapter nine is they're given a command, you keep the fire burning. In Leviticus six, Leviticus nine, the fire of God burns up the altar and God says, I'll start the fire. But then you go to Leviticus chapter 10, Leviticus chapter 10, the story says this, that Aaron's sons, Aaron is the brother of Moses. He is the high priest. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them and added incense. And they offered, the King James calls it strange fire. In this translation, it's unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed them, meaning it killed them and they died before the Lord. It's one of those interesting stories that these men, they took the fire from the altar and then they began to use it for their own will, for their own glory. They became sensational with the fire of God. They, they went out of context. They, they went out of the boundaries. They, they disobeyed. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, He's not negative, but man, He is dangerous. And he needs to be respected. And you say, well, how do I suppress the Spirit? The clearest way that you suppress the Spirit is when you disobey. Suppressing means disobeying. The Holy Spirit over and over again releases you and restricts you. Releases you and restricts you. And when you don't follow his prompting, you disobey him. And when you disobey him, you offer strange fire unauthorized fire. Today, as we begin to suppress the spirit, it's the suppressing that, it stops us from stewarding fire. It stops us from burning bright for Jesus. It stops us from being a light in the midst of darkness. Suppressing means disobeying. Suppressing means hurrying. When we're in a hurry, we can't hear the spirit. Suppressing means faking. We just project something as opposed to authentically walking in it. You can either surrender or suppress. And that's our daily and continual choice. Somehow, when you go out throughout the Bible, you'll see men and women when they're called by God, that fire many times is is associated with it. I think about the story of Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Talk to anybody who has a deep sense of a calling from God and they will tell you that at some point in their life, something was set on fire. Something gets set on fire. That's how calling works. Something began to burn, but there's a choice and there's a decision to make. And Moses, as God calls him through this burning bush, not only is the bush on fire, but something in his heart is set on fire. And with it, it becomes the fuel for him to move forward and follow the call of God. Friends, in order for you to fulfill your call, you need the fire of the Holy Spirit. You need something pushing you and something prompting you. life gets difficult and opposition will come and life gets hard. But when the fire of God is on the inside of you, it's the fuel you need to persevere. We need the fire of God in our church. We need the fire of God in our lives. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, he said, put some fire in the sermon or put the sermon in the fire. That's my prayer. More than emotion, more than just passion. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Because when you fulfill and walk out your calling, life gets difficult, life gets hard. Jeremiah, the prophet known as the weeping prophet, who prophesied on behalf of God's people. But as he obeyed God, his situation never got good. It got bad. He was thrown into a pit. In Jeremiah chapter 20, he's in stocks, his Hands are near his feet and his head is locked into a wooden compartment and he's upset with God because he's obeyed God. He's surrendered to the Spirit but it hasn't led to the circumstance that he wants. But nonetheless, as he's in this bad predicament, he is unable to deny the power of God in his life. That's why Jeremiah chapter 20 verse nine says, but if I say, I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. what we need, church, is we need a fire shut up in our bones. That when life gets difficult and when life gets hard, although I might not like my outcome, I can't stay silent. I've got a fire shut up in my bones. I didn't start it. He started it. I'm just stewarding it. It's fueling me. It's propelling me. moving me. It's not manufactured. It's not created. It's not about looking good to my neighbor. It's a fire in my bones. Why do you preach, preacher? Because I got a fire in my bones. Why do you serve, ma'am? Because I got a fire in my bones. Why do you give? Because I got a fire in my bones. I have to choose and you have to choose. He's on fire for God is just a simple way to say he has surrendered to the Spirit. It's not about gifting. It's not about talent. It's about surrendering. It's about giving in. And although I find myself in times in a place that I don't want to be, I can't suppress I surrender. The truth is, is that if I want to stop stewarding this fire of God, I I suppress it And, and suppressing stops the fire. Suppressing, well, it leads to that famous word that we hear all too often, I'm just burned out. I understand the sentiment. I understand the phrase. I understand the feeling. I've certainly felt burnt out in my life. I've probably said it before in my life. I'm just burned out. I'm just burned out. But we should be careful with that type of language because that language has never been true about your God. Your God doesn't burn out. Your body gets tired. Your emotions get weak fire that's on the inside of you. You didn't start that. You're just supposed to steward that. I remember when I was in college, my my buddy's apartment, uh, he was on the second floor and on the bottom floor, there was some kids who one night were partying really hard and they left a cigarette burning and caught their apartment on fire and went up to the second floor and the whole apartment complex caught on fire. Well, that night, I mean, people gathered from all over the place watching this apartment be set on fire. What I've learned about fire is that fire attracts people. Fire brings people. Fire gathers people. Since the day that we started this church, whether it's your first Sunday at VU, or you've been coming for the last eight years. This church has always been a place that we have been saying, Lord, set it on fire. Set it on fire. And people come from the north and the south, the east and the west, because they want to see the fire of God. They they want to see something burn. I want our church to be on fire for God. But what I've noticed at times is that if you're not careful, people will suppress the fire of God and they'll turn church into a campfire. And what a campfire is, is a little fire that you set up and people come and they get next to the fire and they come and they get close to the fire and they get warmed by the fire and they look at the fire and they watch the fire then they go into their tents, and they go to sleep, and they just keep going through life. I want our church to be so on fire that when you come in, it burns you. It leaves you marked, it leaves you different. I do not want this to be a campfire that people come to say, What's going on over there? And kind of just look at the flames and kind of just look at the place, but then go home completely the same way. Now I want us to be a people that we would jump in to the fire, that we would say, God, set us on fire for you. Lord, let us burn bright for you. Lord, we're not just coming to watch and spectate, we're coming to participate. Set us on fire, God, that we might steward it, that we might manage it, that we might maintain it. We can't start it, but we can, we can steward and as you stand to your feet all over this place, the Holy Spirit is an all-consuming fire. Would you close your eyes for a moment? He's here now. He's moving. Spirit of God, I pray that you would move through this place and every one of our locations right now, Lord, that you would begin to minister, that you would begin to have your way. Lord, people in this room today that feel dry or feel burned out, God, I pray that your fire, Lord, would ignite them again. Newfound passion, newfound excitement. Lord, put a fire deep down into their bones that they might burn bright for you. If you're here today at one of our locations and you just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit he's not the type of God that wants to just visit you one day and then abandon you he is the God who wants to minister to you daily and continually if that's you all of this place that you're saying that's me I just want a fresh touch of the Spirit of God the fire of God to come upon me would you just lift your hands right where you are I just want to pray for you thank you God thank you God Lord, I just pray for every hand that's lifted all over this room, God. I just thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I thank you for your spirit that you sent to us, that Lord doesn't just hover on top of us, Lord, but dwells within us, Lord, that comes and fills us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now that you would begin to minister, Lord, that we are your temple, we are your tabernacle. Lord, our life is an altar, Lord. Set it ablaze today, Lord. Start your fire today. Like Jeremiah prayed from the stocks. put a fire on the inside of us. Lord, we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We don't want to contain it to ourselves. But Lord, we want this flame to burn bright. We want this fire, Lord, to be an all-consuming fire, Jesus. Lord, I pray today that you'd set this church on fire, Lord, for your glory. That people would come from the east, the west, the north, and the south. But when they come, Lord, they wouldn't just come to be entertained, but rather they would come to burn, Jesus. They would come, Lord, to be consumed. They would come to be purified. They'd come to be challenged, Lord. Transform us and change us, Lord. Make us new today, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we aren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in your next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com forward slash online. We love you.